0: This is Chicago's College Tailgate. It's tailgate. It's Shay Norling and Tyler Aki. and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome into Chicago's College Tailgate, the podcast. We're with you every single Monday. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Tyler Aki, Shay Norling, recapping week two in college football, and there was a lot of fun stuff this weekend. Dion continues. To be Dion, we had Texas and Bama. You're shaking your head fuck at me that. already. You're shaking your head already.
1: Come on. I can't even get League get through the open. Fuck fuck <laughs> Colorado.
0: Fuck Dion. I'm getting my fucking money back. We'll get to it. We'll get to there. Um, and then we've got the news coming out of East Lansing with Mel Tucker. We'll do all that on today's show. Uh, thank you to everyone who did come out and visit us over at O'Sullivan's in Forest Park. We had a great time. Watching football, drinking deep, Eddie. It was a great time out there, um, and hopefully we'll see you out and about when we're out uh, for the rest of the season as well. So appreciate everyone for coming on out. Shay did indeed kiss a baby. I did. I he kissed did a, kiss baby. a baby. There was a baby at the bar. It was very presidential. Though. It was a. It was a. It was a great picture of you with the baby, and uh, you gave it a little. Little little peck on just the a, you forehead,
1: know, yeah. Well, you gotta be careful these days. So I just gave a little peck, but <laughs> mm-hmm. now you know I'm out there kissing the, kissing the babies, hanging with the
0: people, watching football. It was a good time. A rare Shane Orling appearance. It was a good time. Hopefully, so,
1: a lot more Shane Orling appearances in the near future. Absolutely. Thank you, O'Sullivan's. So it was wonderful. Yes.
0: All right. Let's get into the game of the weekend, and probably the one that has the most, maybe one of the more playoff implications of the entire season that we'll see and that is Alabama and Texas the Longhorns take down Bama 34-24 in Tuscaloosa really domination from start to finish for the Longhorns Quinn Ewers I mean this was the Quinn Ewers revenge game from last year he goes out there throws for almost 350 has three touchdowns it just looked like all right this is a sh- sort of a. This is going to be what it's going to look like when we're in the SEC. This is what it's going to look like next year when we go out and face the Bama's, the the Georgias, and all of that. Texas came to play, and they did it on the road turf as well.
1: You know what else it looked like? Looked a little bit like a Heisman moment. Ooh. I know.
0: I know we're early in the 10 year. Ten to one right now. He's third, tied with Jordan Travis, only behind Caleb and Michael Penix right now.
1: Like if we get into overreactions from week two. We did that a little bit with week one. Mm-hmm. My overreaction from week two, one,
0: Texas is fucking back. All right. This is how I do it. All right. On We give it the the Sam Ellinger text, the test. All right. It is how back is Texas? How loud are you going to sing along with Sam Ellinger here on Texas is back?
1: Tech, 10 out of 10, 11. You can turn the fucker up to 12. Break <laughs> the knob on the amp. Texas is back, folks longhorns hook them all of it we're back we're back get the fucking 10 gallon hats out texas is back so that's one two quinn ewers has caleb williams in his fucking sights that deep ball tyler those were nfl throws i mean he's reading guys who haven't broken free of their man
0: and dropping it in a bucket in the end zone he's legit we were talking about this on the show from 10 to 11 on ESPN 1000. We were saying we there was the the quote on uh, the like the pre-college game day show is Quinn Ewers can use this game as either becoming a top five pick in next year's draft or yeah. he's maybe going to have to go back to school. Or have fun in Eugene. Right, because uh, guess who's on your tail? It's Arch Manning. And if you think Arch Manning is going to be hanging around as a backup for long, well, you're wrong. Yeah. So, it, Quinn Ewers certainly, his name was already in the conversation preseason. I think he was like second or third in the preseason uh, for Heisman odds, and he's still hanging around there. And I think that's saying something given who your competition is. Your competition's Caleb Williams. Your competition were, were guys like Bo Nix and Michael Penix. And you're standing out, you're standing up above the crowd now. And I think the way that this season's gone for Quinn Ewers in Texas so far. I mean, you could not have scripted it better than what it has started out as.
1: And now, obviously, it's early. Like, we don't want to get too crazy over our skis here. But you go to Tuscaloosa, and you beat, frankly, you beat the brakes off a Bama team. Well, like, this was the game. Yeah. Where else the rest of the way are you like, ugh? Like, you you get Wyoming at DKR next week. You know what that's going to be? That's a murder. That's a bullet in the dome. Wyoming, you might, might as well not get off the bus. I don't know if you bus or plane from Wyoming. Stay there because you're going to a D.K.R.
0: that's going to be out of its goddamn mind. So you've got Oklahoma at home, Kansas State at home. The rest of the Big Twelve is pretty mad, and you've got your toughest games left at home. Like this should be a cakewalk what? at this point for Texas. Like the the when you're Oklahoma you at the game's a neutral site, isn't it? Um, let me see here. It is – oh, well, that game will be played at uh, the Cotton Bowl. So Yeah, that's the, always at the Cotton Bowl, right, Red right, River right. Showdown. Apologies there. But, yeah, like, this should be a cakewalk the rest of the way for Texas. Oklahoma is probably the only spot where they
1: might get tripped up. Like, that's – and I've always kind of believed the reason I didn't have either Texas or Oklahoma in my college football playoff when we did it preseason – These two teams feel like they're destined to cannibalize each other. One of them will win the Red River Showdown. The other will win the Big 12 title. Like that, to me, is neither of you gets in at that point. But I have to tell you, could Texas be having like their Oklahoma moment when Oklahoma went from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray? Where it's just, you've got Arch Manning waiting. Mm Mm-hmm. You have a Heisman potential quarterback now. It feels like Sark has the program finally arrived. Like, you go beat Bama. We, we've we arrived. Planes landed. We're back. Sark's the guy. He's going to get the job done at Texas. You've got the quarterback in yours. This feels like the moment when Oklahoma got back
0: on the big stage. I think that's true. Like Yes, I, I think that's a good way to put it because that's how you win now in college football. That is the continuity. It is it, When you go quarterback to quarterback, the, then the high school prospects see, all right, yeah. we went yours to then Arch Manning, and then you want to be next. You want to be that next star there. And like, you can say what you want about Oklahoma. Like, Sark cannot elevate above Texas, really, unless like Saban were to go for some reason. But if you're building something at Texas, there's no reason to leave. So if Sark truly is the guy there and he gets his first like staple win at Texas here, this is how you build a program. You get to that. Power like the absolute powerhouse blue blood type of school here, and you start building continuity at quarterback. If you can become quarterback you at Texas, you're not going anywhere. You're I, not going anywhere.
1: What's funny about you might bring it up if Bama were to leave for some reason? Would Bama accept Sark or Sabin were to leave? Would Bama accept Sark? Well, it would be it would Saban pick Sark. Did you see the pregame show? How hard they were booming him? And now you, you're the guy who goes and slays the dragon. You're they're not they're not accepting Sark. This feels, dude. Honestly, this feels like Texas is what top two three destination jobs in America. It's mm-hmm. Texas, Michigan, Ohio State, probably Alabama. Mm-hmm. Those would be the top four. Why would you ever leave
0: USC? If, I'll throw in there too. But.
1: If the rest of this season sure goes the way that like it's starting and you're going to the SEC. You're going to be God in Austin. You're going to have full autonomy of the program. Like, why would you ever leave? This feels like the beginning of a very, maybe long kind of Texas journey. I thought they were back last year. They should have beaten Bama at Daryl K. Royal when Quinn Ewers left the game, got hurt. This feels like the we were around last year, things just out of our hands. We had to play Hudson fucking card. Like, now you have Quinn Ewers healthy. You have everything put together. The culmination of what Sark's been building. This could be kind of long term. Yeah. Going into Bama and winning is. And look, I know I've said this ain't this ain't the greatest Bama team. Mm-hmm. The skill position players suck. I think we saw that they're the worst they've been in a while. The secondary is nothing to write home about. But to go into Tuscaloosa in that environment and take out Saban, it is absolutely a we've
0: arrived moment. Yeah and to to go out there in that fourth quarter too the the way that they just kind of put the the exclamation mark on that game yeah domination and it was it was really like it, it feels like a little bit of a changing of the guard here um in college football because it feels like Texas is back it feels like Bama slipping a little bit and eventually Alabama will get back but this isn't the year they they need to go out and like The skill, I I think, it's kind of similar to what we're seeing at Clemson too. The skill players are not the skill players that we've seen there. There is no Waddle. There is no Henry Ruggs. There is no there. Those guys aren't here. There's no Jameer Gibbs. There's no Najee Harris. Like those guys aren't here right now. Yeah. And you don't have the quarterback that can overachieve for you. Have a game manager out there. And he couldn't manage the game here, even with a lead in the third quarter. You
1: have a decent offensive line, but like you you mentioned it, the quarterback's not good enough. Jace McClellan's no Derrick Henry. It's just they don't have it right now. And Saban, I don't think it's unfair to say he's not been doing his best work. Part of this, too, Saban has spent the last three seasons saying, this is a process, we're rebuilding this team a little bit. When he starts saying that, it might be time we got to listen. I know it used to be, oh, whatever, Saban rebuilding. You're still going to have the Bama prospects. You're still going to be, you know, an 11-1 and football team. Well, last year they lost two games. This year they could lose three or four. When he's telling you that he's rebuilding, you might want to start to listen.
0: Here's the thing about Saban and NIL is I think with the, the inception of NIL, it leveled the playing field to a degree. I think in the first three years you'll start to see more programs sort of peak their head up, get on a level playing field with schools like Bama and Clemson. And we're seeing it play out here. But then it's the next five years, the sustainability is going to lie with teams like Alabama and and some of these other power, traditional powers, I think in LSU. Because if you kind of pop your head up now and you can't sustain it, well, the NIL money is going to dip and dip and dip. It, it's not an, an overflowing thing. I think it's something that like I think Miami's a perfect example. Miami just flushed cash into all of their sports with NIL. Yeah. And it's good now. You saw Miami basketball up. Miami football is is rising back up. But how sustainable is that going to be? Like if they start to lose I think the 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 water faucet gets cut off a little bit.
1: I think the other side of that coin, too, is like at Miami, it's a great example because Mario Cristobal on the football side and Jim Laranega on the basketball side, two guys who are kind of on the forward edge of the sport that are willing to be more progressive and go and do those things. Like at Alabama, and you brought up Clemson, Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban didn't sign up for this. Saban wants to coach football. He doesn't want to go fucking fundraise in the middle of the offseason. He's not selling Girl Scout cookies. He wants to hop on the Cruden Trail. He wants to go coach football. He doesn't want to be knocking on fucking doors and talking to TV executives and Tuscaloosa and talking to whoever. Like, he just wants to coach. He didn't sign up for this. This is the new era of college football is you don't get to just coach football anymore. You have to be the CEO of a major organization. And, like, that's... I'm not saying that lightly. College football at this level is a major organization. Mm -hmm. And as the coach, you're responsible for all of the stages of recruiting. You can delegate that to staff, but you also have to go shake hands, talk to people. You are basically the, the, the liaison between the football program and everybody that supports the football program. Jim Harbaugh, for as much flack as I give him, has been great about doing that. He's been out. He slept in a kid's house. They Netflixed and chilled. He talked Mm -hmm. about it. Like, Saban doesn't want to do that stuff. Saban just wants to coach. And I think that's part of what we're seeing at Alabama and at Clemson when Dabo doesn't want to go out and play in the transfer portal. He doesn't want to go campaign for kids to get an IL money and then you see Deion Sanders who's fucking me you see Deion Sanders go out and like I'm gonna get 51 kids and I'm gonna teach them how to make money and sign NIL deals and take care of them and progress them into being professional football players or just professionals in life
0: that's the kind of guy now and I don't think Saban's really equipped for that and we're seeing it play out on the field yeah I think it's the difference of Caring for the players versus caring for the program. Like Saban and Sweeney are are from the the care for the program, whereas like guys like Dion and, yeah. and Har- like they are all in on the kids. And it's it's you're you're gonna see a little bit of a ships crossing in the night if if you don't adapt. I think people like Saban will be okay because eventually, I think the the NIL money does run a little bit dry in certain spots. I don't think it'll ever run dry at a program like Alabama. Yeah. Um. So you'll always be good on that front there.
1: But, but the interesting thing, and it, just to put a bow on it, is like Harbaugh at Michigan, it was an uphill battle at first because Michigan was so against changing this up and going into the portal and doing the NIL stuff. Like as a university, they were so rooted in tradition, they didn't want to do it. Harbaugh beat the shit out of them until they got to a point where there was an understanding that this is the way it's going to be if you want to win football games. I think Alabama is still getting worked a little bit into that position. I just don't think Saban's the guy who's going to go to somebody well, yeah, he's and beat the brakes off the of yeah. them and have, start getting these donations. He's just not a fundraiser. It's a different type of deal now. Mm-hmm. Totally agree
0: there. All right. Speaking of Dion, and speaking of Colorado, the Buffaloes, the 22nd ranked at the time, they've moved into the teens now. Uh, they beat the brakes off of Nebraska in their home opener, a sold-out environment out in boulder and listen it was a slow start neither team scored in this first quarter it was a it it looked like all right this is what it's going to be like when you go up against a legitimate defense like nebraska has but colorado just kept kind of chipping away chipping away and you can't play defense for four quarters at that altitude and and just kind of expect to waltz in there and beat a team like colorado like there is talent on this colorado team i don't know how what what the chemistry level is, but it's been good enough so far through the first two weeks. I would say it's been great. And you you look at the quarterback, Shadur Sanders, a, a game where he throws for almost 400 yards in this one. He looks good again, and and Dion has a message for the haters. He does.
1: Yeah, I, you know what? Enough about the games being personal. Everything's personal. Mm-hmm. Everything's you gotta look. Whatever it works as a motivating tactic. Good for Dion. Uh, if you cap the first half where Nebraska lost two fumbles and Jeff Sims put a fucking blindfold on missed field goal as well. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy for you. I was wrong on this game. We both were, were both wrong left. on this game. Mm-hmm. We both took Nebraska. Look, the the sports books took a loss on Colorado here too. And now I just read from Darren Ravel: Colorado has the most bets at points bet for the national title People are just in love with some Deion Sanders. 18th ranked team in the country is crazy. I think they're laying 21 and a half against Colorado State this weekend. That's crazy. It's a really cool story. I'm not wavering off of my opinion with Colorado. This ain't a bull team. Like I think you've seen Shadua Sanders in the first half versus Shadua Sanders in the second half. You're right. Altitude played a factor in Nebraska's defense as that game wore on because early in that game, Colorado could not move the ball an inch without penalty well, yardage.
0: Also against against this team too, like against a team like Colorado who's gonna run on you and, and is just gonna run all over the field too. You can't you can't play defense against that for four quarters and only give get fourteen points on your offensive side.
1: Right. Like like you, you
0: can't it can't happen.
1: The offense for Nebraska was embarrassing. And losing three fumbles is something that's just almost never going to happen. you more often than not get two of those back, I would say? Like, at least one of them. Losing all three is crazy. Jeff Sims might be the worst quarterback I've ever seen. I mean, you had Gus Johnson was on the broadcast
0: calling for this guy to lose his job. I've never seen anything like it. When you, Gus is calling for your head, like... When Gus Johnson... When Gus Johnson knows your name... And then is calling for yeah, your seriously head.
1: <laughs> one can read the name on the back of the Jersey Two can say, get him out. You are having the worst game of your life. Like Joel Clatt, Joel Clatt is the biggest slap ever. He, he hardly says anything negative about anybody. He wanted Jeff Sims dead. Did the booth have money on Nebraska? Like Tyler, this whole deal with Colorado, I need it to end. You need it to end. I need it to I, end. I, No, like, I'm, I'm heel turning. I'm anti-Colorado. I'm because the reaction to it publicly, this idea that now they're actually like a legitimate
0: national title possibility. Get the fuck out. I think it's overhyped, but you can, you can meet yourself in the middle here. You don't have to be anti-Colorado because things are going well. I'm heel turning
1: because now I'm pissed off. It was fine. Week one. I said they'd beat TCU. I had a good time. Good for Dion. But now things get real. And now I've lost money on it. So now
0: fuck Colorado. Well, okay. The old you can do the old Fibonacci here. All right. You just keep doubling your bet each week yep. until you at least break even. All right. You can Fibonacci the hell out of this thing. But like this is this is the story of college football so far. Dion taking a team that had a three-and-a-half win total for this season. And you're already through two legs. And by the way, even though they're not great teams, they're both Power 5 teams, too. It's not like you've you've beaten some directional state school to, to open up your season here, all right? You've beat two Power 5 teams here out of the gate it's true. who have gotten Power 5 talent in their programs, like one of which played in the national title game a year ago. I get they lost pieces, but there's still a national title bloodline in that program. So, like, you look at the way that... It, and again, I didn't see any of this coming. I would have thought that this Colorado team, you would have been lucky to get to three or four wins. They're gonna to get to the to five or six this year, at least. I'm impressed
1: by Dion and what we've seen in the first two weeks. I think these were two of the more winnable games on their schedule. Next week they get Colorado State. Spoiler alert, they suck. So probably you get three wins, but then
0: you start playing the Pac twelve. And Boy, do we have to talk about how good the Pac-12 is. Eight teams in the latest AP poll ranked in the top 24. Eight teams. The only team is not included, Stanford and Cal.
1: So, I don't know. Like, I keep looking at this Colorado team, and I'm not anti-Deon. I'm not even really anti-Colorado. I just... You Travis, just want your money back. Travis Hunter's a great player. Shadour Sanders, I think we're losing cabin pressure and talking about his hype. People are saying QB one in 2024. Let's pump the brakes a little bit.
0: What did I tell you? Like, Sean Lewis, the offensive coordinator at Colorado, is one of the most underrated hires in the entire sport in the offseason. And he's got that
1: offense humming. I just, look, man, when you start going up against Oregon and then USC and you got to go to Tempe, it's going to be 110 degrees on the field. Stanford, probably the only win in the Pac-12 schedule. Like, this is not just going to be some walk. Do you know how many of the remaining games they got to play a ranked team?
0: I would guess seven.
1: Yeah. Because the Pac-12 is insane. Like, to me, the Colorado deal, it's a fun story. But now I'm personally involved because I've lost money on it. And I'm going to get my fucking money back. The buffalo's an extinct animal. We're going to make them fucking extinct. I'm getting my fucking
0: money back. What happens when you get your money back? All right all right you're going to you're going to fibonacci this thing onto to Colorado State this week. All right, Colorado State loses by 17, you've got your money back. Then what? And then we look at the line when they go to Oregon.
1: And if it's still messed up, we are throttling the Ducks. We're going like orbital's ramming speed Oregon Ducks. I dude, I the Colorado deal I don't buy it. And it's not it's not that I don't
0: think Dion's a good coach. It's
1: not that I think they have some... Dion's already overachieved. Incredible deal to tell. Overach- the fact that Absolutely. there's a little
0: number next to their name at this point in the season, you've overachieved. It's
1: just, at some point, the football has to happen, right? Like, you've got FCS kids on your offensive line. At some point, that's got to matter. It can't all just be the, 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 the five good kids that he brought over. I think it was six kids out of the 51 transfers that were four-star or better... It can't just be those six against the world. Fuck it, double middle fingers. We're beating everybody. At some point, the football is going to come into play. I just don't buy it with Colorado.
0: I I'm not. It's fun early. I just don't buy it. It's fun. I if you if let's say and I don't think either of us believes this, but if Dion were to stay at this program for three to five years they will be in a college football playoff because of his ability to go out and get kids that can come in here and play. Like, What did we talk about on Saturday? We did talk about... (laughs) About the potential for
1: Deion Sanders if he overachieves a little bit in year one and a job of a certain caliber
0: were to open up. Could Deion Sanders leave Colorado? Did we have that conversation? Yeah, like, could a four- or five-win Colorado team be enough to catapult... Like, you know, Power Five conference coach you don't go to a new job after four or five wins at a program. But Dion could be the rare exception to that. He could be a guy who wins five games this year, and we'll see him at a significantly upgraded job next year. And the thing you have to remember, too, is like,
1: it's not just about the prestige of a program or the work. Like, It's not just about being in the Power Five. Colorado ain't sniffing, I'm, I don't believe, the top 30 in sports revenue if they're even sniffing the top 50, like I'm trying to find a ranking on the fly so I can give you a concrete answer. Their sports revenue is not that high. And if Dion has an opportunity to get a higher profile gig in the power five, his salary could be doubled tomorrow at like 20 different schools. Now, one of those schools has to open up and maybe this is the time to transition into our final topic that we have Mm -hmm. on the paper today. Maybe open, but Yeah, like, this Colorado thing is fun early. I just, I don't buy that it's going to be long-term. I don't buy that Dion's going to be there long-term. I think this was always a stepping stone from Jackson State, from FCS, HBCU stuff, to I'm going to move forward and go to the Power Five, go to FBS, prove that my stuff can work. You do that now at Colorado Right jobs open next year. Then you go to a destination. Then you go someplace where you're going to spend three, four, five years before Mike Norvell either dies or retires because that's the point he's at of Florida state now. And you go to Florida state, which I believe I'm sure you believe has always been Dion's ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. By the way, Colorado
0: 35th is the number I saw. Yes. Yeah, so 35th. So
1: yeah, 35th in sports revenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Here you go, because one prominent head coach who also formerly coached at the University of Colorado was masturbating on the phone, apparently all of last year. You now have the 11th ranked Sports Revenue University, very likely to have a head coaching uh, search.
0: Yeah, so let's transition now here into Mel Tucker because he has been suspended without pay. While Michigan State is investigating claims of sexual harassment against a sexual assault uh, speaker and listen, uh, like, survivor. This is one of the, like, can you be this stupid? Can you be this stupid? If everything that's come out is true, how can you be this stupid? Like, you had a great thing going there, you had 95 million in the bank if you just kept yourself out of harm's way kept yourself out of your own way and you found a way to get in your own way
1: and there's language in his contract that basically says if he has behavior that we deem detrimental to the university Mm -hmm. or the reputation of the football program we can fire him for cause and he will be owed none of the money i think we might be there so i don't want to spend a ton of time on this because one i don't think you and i are like the best messengers for what's happening but as somebody who went to michigan state university and lived through Larry Nasser, I do want to say, what the fuck? Why can we not get this right? Like, I get it. The athletic department doesn't have access to the intimate details of a Title IX investigation. All they know is that there is a complaint out there. They don't know what the complaint is. My question is not, well, why was he allowed to coach to start the year? Because we got the answer to that. The AD didn't know any of this stuff. The AD found out when the victim went public in a USA Today story. And now we're at a position where I'm going to ask, why is he suspended and not fired? Because if you feel like you can fire him for cause, get him out. It's just not, this can't happen at this school. And I know that the location is not the most important part of this, but it does play into it. The context of this is now a second seemingly administrative cultural failure on this front. Can't happen at this school. Just When can't. you
0: were bringing uh, this woman in as well to preach exactly the opposite of what has happened here.
1: Do you know how psychotic this guy's got to be to harass the sexual assault survivor that he brought in to speak to his kids about this? Do you know how psychotic this guy's got to be? Even if you believe his story where he claims it was consensual, but there's like 15 inaccuracies... Based on the receipts available of what actually happened and the story that Mel Tucker offered, what a reckless fucking moron! Get out. Yeah,
0: uh, he's not fired yet, but I'd imagine he's he, coached his last game at yes, Michigan State. He one thousand percent has coached his last game at Michigan State.
1: So now we get interim head coach Harlan Barnett, and Who's wait what, for a, it—a
0: secondary coach. uh yeah,
1: defense. He was a yeah. defensive coordinator at Florida State. He had a brief spell uh, after. He was secondary's coach back in the day under D'Antonio at Michigan. I think he worked under Narduzzi.
0: Which, by the way, D'Antonio,
1: welcome back. (laughs) More on that in a minute. Went to Florida State, kind of failed. Now he's back, Michigan State, head coach interim. And Mark D'Antonio from the fucking clouds is going to be on the sideline. (sighs) I know a lot of Spartan fans are probably out there going, greatest coach in school history. It's very nice to have him back. I have a question about how how can anybody think that that's the right move to bring back the guy whose best career recruiting class was destroyed by sexual assault allegations in the locker room lost the best team he ever had in 2016 after the playoff they go 3 and 9 and basically spent the final 3 years of his tenure burning the program down but let's all be very happy that he's back on the sideline just Total disaster. Anyway, long road to say the Colorado to Michigan State pipeline, my lips to God's ears,
0: (laughs) go pay Deion Sanders. You've got the money. Uh, You've proven that. But, like, is that the the place where, like, of all the available jobs that could become open? Like, listen, Texas A&M lost this weekend. I don't think the people down in College Station are all too thrilled with Jimbo Fisher. That could be the one that gets the axe. That feels like the one that Dion's going to end up at. Because if it becomes a war between A&M and Michigan State, I'm sorry, but you guys don't stand a chance.
1: So a and 7th in revenue. Michigan State's 11th. It's just up to which billionaires want to pay more. Probably the oil tycoons do. Also, A&M's fucking cooler. Like, yeah. it's just that that, that plays it, well, into that, it a little bit, too. That's kind of what I was saying. Like, if the money's equal, he's going to A&M. So that's if Jimbo gets launched, they still have an SEC season to play. Here's my point. Tyler, you and I could have a very nuanced conversation where we could go, well, Lance Leipold at Kansas, you could triple his salary. Oh, Dave Clawson's at Wake, you could triple his salary. We could go through a list of names of guys who are kind of realistic, who have done more with less at all these other universities and say Michigan State's got the money, they could go out and get Coach X, Coach Y. We could do that. Or we could have a little bit of fun, dream, go, you can trounce whatever salary Dion's getting at Colorado. You could double it tomorrow. You're 11th in revenue, top 20 in attendance, top 20 in living alumni, top 20 in donors. This is a sleeping giant of a program. Go get them. Or there's another option. And we just start printing scumbag U-shirts with a Spartan helmet and hire Urban Meyer. <laughs> You're going to do that. Now... Urban is not coming to your school. I think that's the problem. I don't think Urban would take the job. I I I don't think there's any big 10 job that Urban would take. I like Urban you'd probably to go to Michigan State you'd probably have to pay triple what he would take to go anywhere else. And it feels like he wants to go to USC mm-hmm. and I don't think he would ever that, go to an Ohio State rival. So Urban's probably off the table, but let me dream big. I don't want to talk about Dave Claussen or Lance Leipold.
0: I want to have fun. Well, I don't. I don't think you're going to get to have fun because I don't think either of your your dreams, your far fetched dreams that you've mapped out, the point are is going to happen.
1: Michigan State has the
0: resources.
1: If there's a world where you can get into a bidding war and Dion makes his way out of Colorado, there's no reason they should not be involved.
0: That's the that, that's the point. I just, like, if the money's equal, like, I'm sorry, like, Michigan State doesn't have the cool appeal. It doesn't. It doesn't have the same cool appeal, especially in football spheres. Like, it doesn't. It's not there. Why could it? Because the Nike brand, they're aligned with the right people. The Nike brand? Half the schools in the nation have the Nike brand.
1: Yeah, but most of them don't use it well.
0: Like, Michigan State... What those piss poor like lime green jerseys those that you're about? Those that, are that, awesome. That's the Nike brand those that you're, you're going to say is so cool. No, but I think like Oregon
1: didn't used to be cool, but you kind of have the counterculture aspect of it where you're this third team in your conference. You can have people come in. You have the money, the resources, the allegiances
0: corporately, where you can like build stuff. I but th- I don't think the the Nike stuff works as much anymore the- unless you have nil tied to it. It doesn't matter anymore.
1: The one advantage I think you have is Dion doesn't need a place that's already cool because Dion's cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's at Colorado. Like Dion like, went
1: to Jackson State, made mm-hmm. Jackson State cool. He's now at Colorado, a maybe the least cool school I could possibly think of. And he's made Colorado cool. I feel like Michigan State's kind of cool. It's you know, it's got that counterculture edgy vibe to it. Here's the other thing. This is just personal. Dion versus Jim Harbaugh would be the nation's rivalry. It would be great. It would be amazing. An in-state
0: rivalry between Dion and Harbaugh, the nation's rivalry. Yeah, that that would be that could really get that rivalry back on track. It would be it, outstanding. It's been a, a real clunker really for like five years.
1: Well, the eh, Michigan State's won like three times in five years.
0: Yeah, but the, the games haven't been great like it's just been kind of the
1: problem with it is michigan's dominant for a decade michigan state's dominant for a and decade there's no overlap. michigan's dominant for a decade it's a little like all the rivalries lately kind of suck alabama auburn's a lot like that mm-hmm. michigan ohio state it hasn't been a contest for the better part of two years 20 years except the last two mm-hmm. where michigan's just suddenly back on the on the map like what is the best rivalry right now? What's the most entertain Is it Texas Oklahoma? Those games are usually good. They're
0: high scoring, they're fun.
1: Bedlam? Bedlam's typically pretty good. It's okay. been better
0: lately. They've both been
1: conference title
0: caliber. I would probably go Texas Oklahoma cuz you've had you've had names that have longevity past the um that have longevity past the college game that go into the NFL. You've had high scoring games, there's been fun games, there's been shit talking like I would say, yeah, that, that's probably the one. And I think the other part, too, is the, the crowning of horns down, too, helps that rivalry immensely. Immensely.
1: There's nothing Especially funnier. When
0: there are referee instructions that if you see a player go horns down, tweet, tweet, 15 yards. I
1: was just going to bring that up. There's nothing funnier than horns down becoming an automatic taunting penalty. <laughs> like, that's the most insane thing. By the way, speaking of the taunting penalties... The refs
0: were in Dion's pocket on Saturday. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, we we should talk about this because you and I both noticed this. Because playing against Colorado now has become such an emotional thing for the opponent that it works against them. And like this is all credit to Dion. He has built this to that magnitude at this point where playing against Colorado is such an emotional experience on the other side because you're going against Dion Sanders. You're going against this guy who. Claims to be the underdog, even though he was a favorite in the last game uh, at home. And it's it, anytime Nebraska does anything now, like they, they're they going to stand over you and then boom, you get 15 yards.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, you think about it's almost like the opposite. Where in a lot of cases for a game like that. You've got to make sure your players are rising to the moment. You've mm-hmm. got to motivate them to go out and play for a game like this. You might like, you know, when you play Dion, all of the cameras are on you everybody's watching, the game's hyped through the roof, you feel like you maybe have a chip on your shoulder because this Colorado team, they just shouldn't be good. They didn't go through the stuff we went through as players. I feel like it's an interesting spot where you kind of got to get the team on the leash because they're going to be rabid dogs going after a piece of meat How many false starts did we see? How many pre-snap penalties? How many ridiculous taunting? Like the Colorado kid falls into Nebraska's bench and the guy on the bench is like shoving him back into the field. They're
0: just overhyped for these games. Yeah, I would say that, and and there's probably nobody that's going to keep the statistic, but Colorado will lead the nation in accepted unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Because the other team's just going to commit them left you should, and right. You should keep the statistic. I'd i have to go back and do some some digging now. But I'm, watch, not keep, I'm not keeping it for all 130-plus teams. You're so going to watch sorry. every
1: FBS game <laughs> every week so that not we can track, I to, accept it on sportsman
0: I have to control F the the game logs, and, and, <laughs> and that's no fun for anyone. Oh, that's funny.
1: What else? What else we got all here? Right, so what
0: else around college football from the week? Um, You know, we talked a little bit about some of the quarterbacks from, from last week and some of the guys that struggled and didn't struggle. Uh, Kyle McCord in Ohio State, still a little dicey, that Youngstown State. I mean, this just felt Got like – good late. It, this just kind of felt like it was the Indiana game. Yeah. A little bit better, but like the Indiana game, but against a, a, a team like Youngstown State and not – an in-conference team.
1: We're two weeks into the season and Ohio State hasn't gotten to 40 yet. I was watching, we were doing the show, so I didn't get a chance to listen to it live. But I watched uh, Kirk Herbstreet pull up the panic meter for Ohio State, talked about what level are you at. He left it in the green. No concern at all. You can put me in the red because I think they might suck. Like they, they just, I don't think Ryan Day knows what he's doing. I don't think the quarterbacks know what they're doing. Now I will say
0: this is, this is a... A transition here, new quarterback coming in. Sure, it may take a couple games, and you're lucky that one of them was against a Big Ten team that you were still able to beat on the road, albeit it was Indiana. But you're going to have to figure this thing out sooner rather than later. Another thing I want to bring... Do you have any... I was just... Go ahead. Uh, uh, Well, any other Ohio State thoughts? Nope. Okay. Um, Another thing I want to bring up. Notre Dame. And they go out, and they beat... NC state in a monsoon that had uh, a delay in that game. Uh, but 45, 24, the final there, like Notre Dame has impressed me wagon. I hate to
1: say it. I think they're a wagon,
0: Sam Hartman. Uh, like you gave me shit for bu- buying in on Sam Hartman, but I'm always going to be in the, the camp of former ACC no. quarterbacks. It's why I have blindly uh, pledged my allegiance to Jeff Sims. Although that has officially come into question after this past week, but Sam Hartman, uh, two eighty six and four touchdowns. I mean, he, he's lighting up scoreboards, and he did it against NC State. This wasn't uh, some BS team yeah. that they they've faced through the first two weeks.
1: It's an NC State team that has a good defense that's given Sam Hartman nightmares. That's
0: perennially had good defenses too. Part of it for me
1: is Sam Hartman doesn't look like a quarterback. He looks like Grizzly Adams. He, the The bushy beard, the long mm. swept back hair. He just he looks like he should be playing hockey. I, I don't feel like he's it looks like a quarterback. I let my bias color my opinion because this pro style offense that Marcus Freeman's putting them in, they've gone away from the Dave Clausen slow mash. It's working good for Sam Hartman, good for Notre Dame. They might be like a legit playoff type of team, and cue us in December bitching that they get a ride despite the fact they're on the couch yep. while everybody else goes and plays a conference title game. Yep, classic anti ND boy uh, narrative there. I want to ask you about a team both of us liked. Mm-hmm. What the fuck happened to
0: Wisconsin? Yeah, they've been bumped from the top 25. They lose at Washington State. Here, here's the problem. We just thought this offense was going to flip on a dime. And it doesn't look... I mean, sure, there's a little more aerial attack with this team, but it's not working at that magnitude. And the defense hasn't kept up either.
1: I mean, you t- they were braced off the field in the Palouse. 24-9. to 9. It was the score early on, and Wisconsin made a little bit of noise, but it never felt like they were in that game. And I was watching at the bar, and I'm just going, what the actual F is this? Where it looked more like that first half in week one than it did the second half, and boy, I may have overestimated the easiness of the schedule because they are struggling to break these offensive linemen into a new system. Like it, it's just identity crisis. It's a team that was built to be a power run team with a coach and a quarterback who are built for an air raid and it ain't working early. They got to get right. They're lucky that that was a non-conference loss.
0: They will be fine long-term, but for the immediate season, for this I season, think they're in trouble. Yes. they. You may see them be a team that bounces back and forth in and out of the polls like we've already seen. And that just might be the narrative of who they are. Huh, they're the new Iowa. <laughs> Listen, I don't think either one of us were picking them to be a playoff team no, for this not. season, but we thought that – I think they entered the season ranked 19th, if I remember correctly. I I think that's, that, that's a team that we thought would overachieve their 19th preseason ranking and be, like, in the 12 to 15 range in the final playoff rankings.
1: Yeah, the loss is non-conference. Like, it's not – It's one of the few losses in college football where your season doesn't end because they can still go out and win the Big Ten West. They can take care of business. Luckily, the other Big Ten offenses look dire. So everything's still in front of them. It just, boy, did that set off some alarms for me over the weekend. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, One other game that I want to mention too, um, and we kind of alluded to it earlier, but Miami taking down Texas A&M. Miami looks like a legitimate program. Tyler Van Dyke, who I know you hate, but he went out and balled out. He threw for five touchdowns, three about 375 as well. Like this Miami team's got a little juice to it.
1: And now's when we find out how long the Jimbo Fisher leash is. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't go, if they don't run the table in the SEC, like how many games do they have to win for the A&M boosters to say, you know what, you can stick around another year. Mm-hmm. It's been nothing but failure. I we'll see. Um Miami impressive. I, I always struggle a little bit when you have to go to Hard Rock because the heat is yes. so intense. Mm-hmm. And look, you're AM. You gotta be used to the heat. You're playing college station. Like it's not you're not totally out of your element, but it is a different beast. You gotta go to Miami. One, you gotta keep all these kids who are making NIL money reined in on a Friday night in Miami. Two, you gotta deal with the heat on the field at Hard Rock. So I always wonder a little bit how much you can take from having that home field advantage. We'll see how it plays out for, for A&M for Miami. It's an impressive win. It's a big win. Mario Cristobal building a program mm-hmm. might finally be uh, really working for them this year.
0: Yeah. The Miami bumped up to 22nd in the latest polls uh, real quick. Uh, before we get out of here, we talked a little bit about the PAC 12 and having eight teams in the top 24 right now. Um, This looks like it's going to be the most fun conference in college football. What I said that leading into it too, because we talked about the quarterbacks when we were previewing all of the the different conferences. This is the it's this and the ACC that are the quarterback conferences, and it looks like the Pac twelve with the arrival of DJU has kind of elevated over the ACC.
1: And shout out Wazoo. The Palouse is back. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I always... One of my favorite brands in college football is Washington State. You're in the Palouse. I love the, the atmosphere up there. It's a place I desperately want to go see a game. Love when Washington State gets a win like they did over Wisconsin. That's awesome. This Pac-12, I keep seeing people say it. It makes me sad it's going away. Because this is like... A bittersweet reminder of how great the Pac-12 was at its best. And it sucks that we're never going to see it again. But at least we're going to get this awesome swan song. Shout out, Texas Tech. Fuck you. Should have covered against Oregon. Uh, did not because of a pick six with 50 seconds left. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Where would you go with your Pac-12 champion right now? Because there, I think USC. There's, a, there's USC. There's Washington. There's Oregon. There's Utah. Are you throwing Oregon State in that conversation now? Sure. I think
1: those four or five teams are in the conversation, but I still think it's USC. Uh, Washington is the only one that really truly scares me because, boy, do
0: they look good. Yeah, and Michael Penix has looked fantastic. He's now second in Heisman odds.
1: Um, Yeah, uh, and he might be first after he throws for 600 yards in East Lansing this weekend.
0: (laughs) That'll be, yeah. That'll be, and he's back in, he's back in his old big 10 roots. You talk about good timing to take that team on. Yeah. And and that was a game that you pointed out preseason, like, oh, this could be the one that sort of gives them a little bit of difficulty. But even if it was going to give them difficulty, everything all of a sudden got easier. It
1: does. It, and like, it kind of sucks because that's the way I would have previewed this game. No matter what the big 10 team is, Pac-12, West going East, it's never been easy these games always end up being rock fights. Typically, you see whatever the Big Ten team is come out on top in that trip west to east. This time, look, last I looked, Washington was a 13 and a half point favorite. You could probably bet it out to 20. This is going to be a disaster. I can't imagine anybody in that Michigan State locker room even wants
0: to play the game. Yeah, it's going to be a. It's going to be an interesting next couple of, what, eight, nine weeks for, for your team? I mean, we'll see. Whatever. I, who
1: cares? Nobody cares about them anymore. The big story is today, and we can stop talking about them. The Pac-12 is what is interesting to me.
0: Yes. I'm so excited
1: to watch this swan Song.
0: Because uh, when do uh, like the legit uh, games start happening for the pac Like They've already had some conference games, like Stanford uh, Two USC. weeks. So
1: this next weekend will be the last, I think, like official non-conference, and then you start getting... To we the meat. Yes, we get Oregon, Colorado. We get Colorado, USC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think USC, UCLA, Utah gets Utah's mixed in there
0: in two weeks. I'm um, trying to look through any other good ones in the Pac-12. But yeah, that like it, it's it's all happening. We're starting to get into the meat of like the great games in college football. Actually, a a really strong Friday slate. If I'm looking at this correctly here, coming up soon. So, all right. Um, Anything else before we get out of here?
1: No, I think I'm good. All of my thoughts for the weekend have been brought out of me.
0: I will say this. Okay. This was something that I noticed last night while watching um, the Sunday night football game. And it's something that I knew it was coming this upcoming weekend. And boy, like these big 10 Saturday night games on NBC, (laughs) absolute shit shows, (laughs) absolute shit. Like, you look at what they have this weekend. It's Purdue Syracuse. Yeah, what, what needle is that moving? That's a. By the way, how is Purdue Syracuse on
1: on NBC? Like, keep in mind these schedules got put out before Mel Tucker news was out. Mm-hmm. How does P- Syracuse Purdue end up on NBC and Michigan State Washington's on the cock? Can can somebody explain that to me? What executive said? Put two brands on our streaming platform exclusively and get Purdue and Syracuse on NBC. It's the TV execs. That's real genius level work there. <laughs> Let's get two schools that have, like, in the past decade been top 15-ish football programs in Washington and Michigan State. Throw them on the cock so we can get Purdue and Syracuse.
0: I don't understand, like, any of the shuffle for this week because, like, Penn State and Illinois is your big noon, or, like, wouldn't you rather have Michigan State-Washington as your your big noon? Yeah, but NBC's got the Michigan State-Washington game. So flip it around. Like, these games are all drafted for, right? Yep. Like, I, I don't understand how how that all got fumbled. But. Which again, if you if you're NBC
1: and you're drafting Michigan State and Washington, how do you then put it on your exclusive streaming platform that people got to pay six bucks a month to
0: watch? You gotta you gotta sell subscriptions. That's how.
1: Yeah, I guess because that's why Michigan was on it. Like this is this is going to be the torturous names
0: on it this week too.
1: This is going to be the torturous aspect of. The Peacock deal is they're not gonna put the dog shit on Peacock.
0: They're gonna put the good games on it because Mm -hmm. they want you to watch them. Well, wait till Apple TV gets involved with this stuff too. Like you're gonna need every single subscription service at some point.
1: (laughs) Why can't we just go back to
0: cable? It was so
1: fun. It was so easy. (laughs) Just scroll.
0: I will say YouTube TV does an amazing job with all this. The multi-view and all that stuff. Like, I'm I I love it. It's the best. You sit down. They can give you pretty much any single combination of games you want. It's it's the best. They should sponsor the show. Yeah. Buy in YouTube TV. We love you. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for us here on Chicago's College Tailgate, wrapping up everything from week two in the college football world. We will be back with you on ESPN 1000, 10 to 11 a.m. this upcoming week. So looking forward to chatting with you all then. This episode has been brought to you by Twin Peaks. We'll talk to you Saturday.